here's the starting lineup for the Generations Sports Podcast, presented by Calf Sports. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever it is, wherever you are, and welcome to the Generation Sports Podcast. I'm Jeff Kennedy, along with Bill Lunkovich. Hey now. Dave Zorn. Yo. And Casey Everett. Hey. Lots of stuff going on. We've got Major League Baseball playoffs to talk a lot about, both the the American League and National League series have gotten pretty compelling. We've got some great college football games to go over. Of course, our Stump the Unk segment, opportunity for us to get one by Flagstaff Bill. In the NFL, three key games that we want to talk about, and then Sports Through the Ages. Casey has the honors this week. Betting with Bill, and then Sports Around the Mountain, everything local with Dave Zorn. And, of course, we'll wrap up with our usual crunch time, a minute to rant on whatever you want to rant about. I really don't have a passionate rant this week. Yeah, but it's I'm kind sure of a by slow the, week. I'm sure by the time I talk to you clowns for like the next 45 <laughs> minutes, I'll have one. So I just, I just, if I can think about mine for a little bit, I just like, I'm mad about anything today. I'm like, not really, but look, not really. Well, you I can figure, be glad about figure, something too. I figure out something. I, I something off, off radar a little bit. So. Absolutely. Let's, let's get things started. Let's start in the American league. The Houston Astros return to Arlington to face the Rangers down Oh two. And look like a completely different team on the road that series is now tied at two and Houston has all the momentum Bill I want to start with you on this one the Astros just know how to win in October they're a tremendous team and I I don't think it's ever happened but maybe in this series all the away teams are going to win all the games the Astros are clearly better on the road and that lineup's deep and I, again, I just heard a stat the other day that Altuve has the second most amount of career postseason home runs. He's five six, maybe. <laughs> He's a little tiny guy. He's just very impressive. As are the Astros. These series are getting crazy right now. I remember watching Altuve his first year. Uh, it was when the the Astros had that awful record. I mean, they were done halfway. I got the All Star break, and they start bringing the young guys up. And Altuve was one of them. I mentioned. I, I remember seeing him. You know, steal bases and how he played the game. Like, man, this kid's gonna be really, really good. And you know, ten years later, he's still you know playing at a high level. Well, is that gonna impact him? You know, I I believe right now he's a first ballot Hall of Famer or really close to that. And the cheating scandal, if if people cheated with steroids, so what's the deal with cheating to win a game? I wonder if it's gonna be the same for him and some of the other Astros. I don't believe it's going to be the same. I think it's a great question that you ask when. I talk around Major League Baseball to people who three years ago hated the Astros and everything that they stood for because of the cheating scandal. Then they hire Dusty Baker, and who's not a Dusty Baker fan, and it's almost like that didn't happen. Yeah, and the I wanted because you said no teams ever won just away games happened in the 2019 World Series. Has, it has happened before. That's yeah. course, guess what team it was, Bill. Oh no, it was the National Astros. <laughs> so the Astros were the one of the teams that did that. And it's just funny. Does it really feel like a home team advantage when both teams are in Texas? Though that's my main question. And travel's not big. Good yeah. call. Yeah. So I mean, both really good teams. The Rangers looked phenomenal the first two games. Great team. And then the last two games, they had to pitch guys that they didn't necessarily want to pitch. Max Scherzer was coming off an injury and Andrew Heaney. And we all know Andrew Heaney, he can be very good or very bad. Yesterday, very bad. Let up four straight hits for four straight runs or something like that. Uh, So they're coming back. And I mean, they have game five today. 
And I'm excited to see what happens to this series. I didn't see it going seven. I actually honestly saw it going six. Still can happen. But this Rangers-Astros series, I knew it was going to be fun. Yeah. I think it's a lot of fun. I mean, if you're the Astros, you get Justin Verlander going today. You know, against Montgomery, it's a great pitching matchup. You know, but you beat Verlander in, in game one. I don't know that you beat him twice in the same series. At least I certainly wouldn't bet that. And and Bill, I'm not trying to put you on the spot right now betting, but that seems like a bad bet to me to to bet against Justin Verlander in game five today. No, I, I think the Astros have the, the clear advantage, but Texas is loaded. Their, their lineup is young and they're young and dumb. They don't really know they don't belong here and they can hit the ball out of the ballpark. Everybody in the lineup. A lot of these games are decided by one run and Unfortunately, it comes down to luck that you have a couple runners on, no outs, and a line drive to the first baseman or third baseman. They square the ball up and hit it well, but it doesn't quite reach the field to, to get a base hit. But I'm really excited about both series. Can, can I give you a stat, Dave, before before you go? Verlander is 8-1 and one and has an earn run average of 1.67 over his last 10 games against the Rangers. That's scary. Pretty good. And you know what? You know, sports is all about momentum. I mean, not not all about it, but it's a major. It's a major big part of it. Big yeah. part of it. Right now, the Astros have it, and now you got your guy on the hill who's pitched a number of playoff games, not only total in his career, but in that ballpark. And you know, you think Jeff, you mentioned that the bad bet be going against Verlander, but maybe it won't be. I mean, that that's that's the fun of this too. It's like, yeah, on paper we can say that, but you know, he could get shelled for five or six runs in the first inning. Um, but that's, that's what, the trend that, in the playoffs this year. Big first first inning runs. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But I mean, that's the fun of the game. It's like, yeah, we can make all these predictions and stuff, and we can be totally wrong by the end of the day. Well, and Jordan Montgomery going today for the Rangers, like mm-hmm. we mentioned. All right, let's switch gears. You know, the the Phillies come to Arizona with a two zero lead. No question, they look like unstoppable. Until yesterday. Dave, I'm going to start with you. Until yesterday, he got to the Dimebacks' third pitcher. I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, that, that, some things are just can't explain. And Brandon Fott has, has had a, a, a good year for a rookie. I mean, he's had location problems. No question about his stuff. His stuff is really good. It's just about can he get that, the location issues locked down. Man, he was on it yesterday. He, anytime that you know Bryce Harper came into play, they had a plan for Bryce Harper. Pitch away, down and low. I mean, don't give him anything that he's going to drill. Same thing for um, um, the other the other hitters for the Phillies. And it was a game plan that, that would work to a T. If the, if the pitcher can execute, that. yeah, I know. But <laughs> there's your there's your roadmap. Keep doing that because it, it caught them off guard. They only had what three hits yesterday, four I think. Someone inside that category. That's that wasn't what they had in Philly. And and you look back if you go back and look at all the home runs that that Philly hit in the first two games. Mistake pitches all over the place. I'm down this right down the middle. Curveball, looking curveball, boom, boom. There it goes. So, and that was from your first two guys. Now, now you got the Brandon fought, you know, pitched a game of his life yesterday. Uh, the bullpen did a great job. And of course, Marte with the walk off. And then, so they go with a bullpen game today. I, who knows what's going to happen there? Joe Mantipi gets the start at the lefty. And then, uh, but it's now set up. Game five is probably going to be Zach Gallon. Game six is going to be uh, Merrill Kelly. And then you bring back Fought for game seven. Um, if it goes that way. But that's what yesterday, that's what game three did for the Diamondbacks. It set the rotation from this point forward. And if you can manage your bullpen in game four and get a win, that really set them up pitching-wise going forward. 
Yeah, and I told Dave right before that game, I was like, Brandon fought. If he has, he needs to pitch six innings, not give up any runs, and this is a completely different series. Yeah, I thought four. I, I was giving him four. And I said they need six. They don't, they don't need to use their bullpen, and that's exactly what they didn't have to do is use their <laughs> bullpen because they're going to have to go to a bullpen game today. So I'm excited to see what the Diamondbacks do. They, I mean, Cattell Marte, three hits, two doubles, and a walk-off. Yeah, he was awesome. Mr. Great player. Well, I... <clears throat> Yesterday's Game 3 of the National League Series is why I like playoff baseball. Every pitch, every out, every strike was just so important, and you're just on the edge of your seat. I think, Jeff, you did your Sports for the Ages on that a couple weeks ago. That's playoff baseball yesterday. Really enjoyed it. Absolutely. So the Phillies will counter with Christopher Sanchez, and uh, he's been pretty good. Forces ground balls at a 57.7% rate and strikes out 24.2% of hitters. We'll see how that plays out today. I'm going to swing back around, Bill. This time I'll start with you. Each side, pick pick a side, how that team wins game four today. Because obviously if the Phillies win and go up three to one, you know, going to be tough for the Diamondbacks. That means that they are going to have to somehow manage to come back from that deep hole. Dave, of course, I'll, I'll give you the chance to tell us how the Diamondbacks can win. Casey, pick one, don't care. So, Bill, <laughs> Phillies, in order to rebound and take a 3-1 lead in this series, what needs to happen? Well, I think they obviously need to hit the ball better. Yesterday, they only had three hits. I just looked that up, Dave, to confirm that. Um, Fat, is that how you pronounce his name? Fat. Fat. Um, like, like if you're doing like a European saying of fat. He, he was, fought. he's been very impressive his last two or three starts. I don't think that happens today. The Diamondback bullpen is not as strong as it's fought, and I think the Phillies get off today and they they get back and they're going to score five, six, seven runs. We'll see how many they give up. Casey, before you go, uh, just a quick stat on that: Joe Mantiply started just three games during the regular season, and those were the only three games he's ever started in his career. The challenge for him will be to get out of the first inning without too much without the Phillies doing too much damage. Yeah, that's completely correct. And this is the thing. When you don't have that playoff experience, I mean, most of the guys on the Diamondbacks really don't have that playoff experience. So you're pitching your first game in the playoffs in a crucial game. And I mean crucial. Yeah, if they, if they don't win this game, this series is probably over. So it's going to be, in, if they don't win this game, it's over, in my opinion. It's a 3-1 lead, you're done. So... It's tough to give a rookie a ball, but that's what the Diamondbacks have been doing all year. They just give rookies balls and see what they can do with it. They've exceeded expectations this year, and the, no no penalty to them. If if the Diamondbacks lose this series, they've had a great year. So. All right, not so fast, my friend. Dave, you get to close this. Well, up. here's what's going to happen, because I've seen Joe Mantiply in those other starts. No, Mantiply's only in there for the first inning, um, so it's a relief. It's basically a relief start. He's only in there to face Harper and Schwarber and that top of the lineup. If he gets through that unscathed, his day's over. And then they're going to bring a long guy in, whether it be um, like uh, um, Ryan, uh, what's his name? Nelson. Yeah, thank you. Ryan Nelson. Uh, there's the, the other Nelson, Slater. They got three or four long arms in that bullpen that will get playing time today. But yeah, no, Mantiply's in there only to face the top the top of the lineup, and that's it. So that's why that's kind of been Tori Lovello's you know, thought process when uh, he does these bullpen games. He puts the guy that matches up good with what those first three hitters are Mantiply's the guy to get those first three guys out. Now, if you look at, Cal- at Schwarber, you know, he had, what, 47 home runs this year, I think I heard the other night. He's hitting 195. Don't give him anything to hit. He'll swing at anything. 
So that, again, pitch him away. He'll bite on probably most things. So that goes back to the pitching thing. I got a couple hey, stats hey, David, for you, 47 times this year, I'm sure the pitcher had that idea. <laughs> there was probably 47 <laughs> mistakes. <laughs> 47 mistakes, right? right? So okay. don't make a mistake. Those mistakes happen. And, you know? and game three, I love how they approached Harper. They didn't give him anything to hit, and they did those you know, unintentional, intentional walks pretty much on him, and it worked. So, yeah, stay away from him. Don't throw him any mistakes. A couple stats for you before we move on. Uh, games three start by uh, by Brandon Fott was one for the record books. He's only the second pitcher in Major League Baseball history to strike out at least nine batters without walking a batter in a postseason game. The other pitcher to do it, Don Newcomb of the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1949. Wow, that's, that's a nice stat. Good and then job. the stat I showed you yesterday, i got to rule this off. The Phillies, uh, before uh, between games three and four in the NLDS and games one and two in the NLCS, the Phillies are only the second team in Major League Baseball history to hit three-plus home runs off a single pitcher in four straight games, regular season or postseason. And that happened this year. The other team to do it, the Chicago Colts from June 9th to 13th in 1894. <laughs> wow. This has been, there's the notes on this series alone in the first three games have been great. I can't wait to see the rest. All right, and that's that really is. Baseball's all about its numbers, man, and that's great stuff. Good job, Dave. All right, let's move on to college football. We've got three games that we want to, want to highlight this week obviously the marquee matchup and let's just start here because it's going to be nine o'clock in the morning our time we get to pancakes in college football number seven penn state at number three ohio state i you know casey i'm going to start with you on this one this is a great college football morning i know i know saturdays in college football but man to wake up I might even sleep in for this one. Okay, wow. try to get to the gym before this game starts, and I am, I am locked in on this matchup. I think it's really compelling. Do we have a spread on this? It's four and a half. Four and a half to Penn State gets four. Oh four and wow! A half. Wow. Okay. Well, well, they're on the road, so yeah. Um, so Penn State versus Ohio. We've been seeing Ohio. We've been talking about Ohio a lot. Ohio State, get it right. Ohio State, whatever. Gee, it's a pet peeve of Dave's. You yeah. got to know this. The okay. Ohio State. There is an Ohio in the MAC conference. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah, there is. A, Be clear. Ohio, Ohio State Buckeyes. The Ohio State. Oh, do you feel like up, do, you, do you feel like you've been smacked around a little bit this, <laughs> this morning? Is annoying. It's kind of early. <laughs> See how I went through and Ohio State fans told me that over the years. Go, go ahead. So I I actually like Ohio in this game. See, uh, <laughs> it's not going to stop, Casey. I like Ohio State in this game. Thank you. Thank you. I think they cover. So I'm going to pick Ohio State. Ohio State. Ohio State. Ohio State. <laughs> one of the benefits of that, kid. one of the many benefits of living on the West Coast or close to it is we get football at 9 a.m. Yeah. We don't have to wait till 12 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Living on, I can't imagine pro games and college games living on the East Coast and you have nothing to do for three or four or five hours and get up. But well, uh, probably on Sunday church attendance is probably a little bit. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> The, the Buckeyes' Marvin Harrison might be the best college football player in the nation. That's not a quarterback. But uh, Penn State might have the advantage in a lot of the other places. This game uh, is going to be ugly. I think it's going to be low scoring. It's uh, the nation's number two, three scoring defenses, both of them. I think a late field goal decides it. The spread's four and a half. I, I like Penn State here. Ooh. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I go back and forth on this, and, and location means a lot to me because both have great home field advantages, both Penn State in Happy Valley and, of course, uh, Ohio State in uh, Columbus. See, you almost did it. No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, you did. I had to take a breath. Um <laughs> I love Marvin Harrison. He's going to look good in the Cardinals jersey next year. Um, poor kid. <laughs> poor kid. Um, I went back and forth in this, and, it, you know, it's just something about games in Columbus 
that brings the best out of Ohio State. And I, I don't even I don't even I can't give you numbers. Bill gave you the numbers. I agree totally with him. And because the game is Columbus, I'm taking Ohio State. It comes down just to that for me. I just don't think this is the typical Ohio State team. No, it's not. It, you it, know, it's you because know, you have. I mean, you got Marvin Harrison, but usually you have other guys. Like you've got the the leader for the linebacker or whatnot. There's other superstars there, but it feels more like a team than it does it has any other Buckeye team that I can remember. Okay, so a couple, and and I was struggling which way to go as well. Okay, Penn State or Ohio State in this one. I agree with you about Marvin Harrison. And then, of course, they've got Cade Stover. He's got 359 receiving yards and three touchdowns. Their other wide receivers are great. But check this out. Their quarterback, he's an Ohio native, 1,254 passing yards, 12 touchdowns, and zero interceptions through six games. Now, I understand that that can change this week, but Penn State – as great as their defense is, they're most effective against the running game. They're only giving up 72.5 yards a game on the ground, which is second in the country, 121.2 yards per contest in the, on the, in the air, which is first in the country. So, you know, what gives, what gives in this game? I think 4.5 is too many. Uh, I, I really do. Even though Ohio State is home and I want to lean that way, it's more than a field goal. I think this game remains close. I really, really, really want to pick Ohio State at home. But I'm going to lean towards Penn State, maybe not to win this game, but to keep it close and cover that four and a half. This is the toughest game of the year by far for Penn State. And I know a couple of Penn State alums, uh, good friends of mine, and they're very concerned about their coach because they think it's going to be close until he does some blunder late in the fourth quarter. But should be a great game tomorrow morning. I got a question on this game because we know Penn State's defense is elite. Ohio State's defense is pretty elite as well. Is it, you know, elite plus and elite minus? Or, you know, I mean, because I don't think there's that much of a drop-off, is there? I think, I think Penn State's defense is a little bit more physical. And I, they, Ohio State's given up some points, but they're good. I mean, I'm, I mean, probably top 10 in the country, I'm sure, if you, go to, if you, want, if you want to throw the stats out and you just think well, about Ohio State well, well, hasn't given up more than 17 points in any game this year. See? Exactly. They're right. giving up 109.2 ton, ton yards per rushing. That's 22nd in the country. 154 passing yards, which is fourth in the country. Hmm. So pretty elite, right? You mentioned Penn State's rushing defense. And if you look traditionally with what Ohio State does with rushing defenses mm-hmm. that are going against, they will, they will come at them and come at them and come at them and try to break them. And so I don't expect any different because obviously their head coach is an Ohio State guy. So they're going to they're going to try to see if Penn State's rush defense is really that good. Um, and then they'll start opening. Once they do that a few times, then they're going to, it's going to open up the passing game. And then if that works, then you can see them. I can see their quarterback going 35, 40 passes in a game. Penn State gives up less than 200 yards a game. But real quickly, here's who they played. UMass, Northwestern, Iowa, Illinois, and Delaware. Best this is not a juggernaut. <laughs> <No. laughs> Great point. I, Bill, and maybe you know this, or actually Casey. Casey's so good at this stuff. Can I throw this at you? <laughs> sure. Penn, Penn State, in big games like this, marquee matchups, you know, top 25 matchups, how have they done in the past? Because, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I kind of just think like somehow they've underperformed, uh, not met expectations in these big marquee games over the last, I don't know, decade. Bill? You know? No, uh, absolutely no. They have not. You know, Joe Paterno's not there anymore. 
I used to give Joe Paterno a week or two to get prepared for somebody. You're in trouble. It's it's not the same coaching at, at Penn State. Would you say Would you say that this is more important for Penn State than it is for Ohio State? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I agree. All right, I'm going to change my pick. I'm I'm going to I'm going to lay the four and a half and take Ohio State. But if this was in Happy Valley, I'd think seriously about taking Penn State because the crowd does play a factor. In it. I sure. want to go to for a sure. whiteout game at Penn State no, on right. a Saturday night. Yeah, oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. All right, number number seventeen, Tennessee. They're five and one at number eleven Alabama. They're six and one. Dave, we'll start with you. You know, I've had a problem this year of getting oh, it's Alabama out of my head because they're not Alabama anymore. They're just Alabama. They're, they're I mean, when you think of Alabama, you think they're the number one, number two team in the country the entire year. They're not that program anymore. However, this game is in Alabama, but Tennessee is pretty good too. I what's what we got on the spread on this? Alabama's favored by nine. Ooh, gee, many Christmas. Uh, you know what? I'm going to take Tennessee to cover. What the heck? I, I just don't trust Alabama this year's Alabama team as opposed to the Alabama teams five, six, seven years ago. And I think Tennessee's a, a little bit better now. So I think Tennessee covers that. I think Alabama wins, but they cover. And by the way, if you have a gambling problem, don't gamble more than the money in your account. <laughs> What if I want to? It's hard to do. (laughs) You got to have your money in the account before you bet. How is that for a disclaimer? It's not like the old days when the bookie, now you owe the bookie a thousand dollars and you don't have a thousand dollars. You have a gambling problem, call, you know, the 800 number. (laughs) Yeah. So I, so you were saying Alabama is not Alabama. They're still Alabama, Dave. Yeah, but they're not Alabama. They're just Alabama. I mean, but. And they're at home. That, so that's, they're nine, Alabama. Nine points. That's the, I, I think that's a little bit steep. Much, yeah. yeah, but I, I we we watched that te- or we talked about that Tennessee te- uh, Texas game, right? Mm-hmm. And Texas mopped the floor with with ten or Texas mopped the floor with Tennessee, right? So I I, I think Alabama. Alabama. You yeah. beat Alabama. Yeah. So there. I this is a tough game to choose from. The nine and a half is what scares me in this game. But I, considering it's at home, I'm going to go with Alabama here. I think Alabama covers. You think they cover the nine? Yeah. All right. So remember, wasn't this an epic game last year? Yeah, Tennessee, Tennessee, won, Tennessee right? won 52 to 49 last year. <laughs> That's not going to happen this year. Um, the last time Tennessee won consecutive games versus Alabama was 2003 and four. I, I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I think Bama's. Uh, again, not your typical Alabama team, but they're still Alabama. I think they they're they're going to dominate Tennessee up front. Nine's a lot of points, but I think a, a Alabama wins, wins a low scoring game, twenty four ten somewhere around there. I was thinking they go they have been a total fifty two points this year. No, Tennessee is five and zero this year when rushing for over one hundred and sixty yards. So if do they get to one sixty? They're not going to rush for one hundred and sixty <laughs> against Alabama. <laughs> Let's go get their schedule, Bill. <laughs> Tennessee Martin, no, it was crap. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, listen, I, I like Alabama. We keep saying Alabama's not Alabama, and yet somehow they've won six of their seven games. And yeah, this is scary. This is the time of the season that maybe they start playing like Alabama of old. I don't think this game is going to be that close. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. I like I like Alabama. All right, finally. Number 14, Utah at number 18, USC. I don't know why we picked this particular game instead of, what, Notre Dame-Duke or something like that, one or the other. No, that was uh, a couple weeks ago. No, that was, that, you're right, that was a couple weeks ago. Well, who, who no, I, I, this I, week, but. No, I, I like this, you know, I'll, I'll voluntarily start. I like this game for two reasons. I want to see what USC does coming off of just a disastrous uh, game in Notre Dame. 
they got exposed. I mean, Notre Dame really showed the country that USC's beatable in a lot of different areas. I mean, we came into that game talking about the USC Notre Dame game last week with me questioning USC's defense. I didn't realize their offense was going to give up, you know, points like that. I mean, they, they turned the ball over in worse places. Caleb Williams looked like a, just a normal quarterback. Their USC's offensive line has a ton of holes in it that Notre Dame exposed. That's Utah's not the team you want to play coming off a game like that because Utah's linebackers are really good. Their front four is good too. They're gonna they're gonna take what they saw that Notre Dame film. I think they're gonna try to come out of them in different ways. USC's coaching staff, Lincoln, uh, what was his last? Lincoln, what's his last? Riley, name? Riley. I'm, I'm with Kennedy for some reason. Lincoln Riley and his coaching staff, their coaching staff, are, uh, they they better have tried to plug some holes in that offensive line this week and, and get, try to get back to what they're used to because Utah's defense is really really good and they're very aggressive. I tell you what, I like Utah to win this game outright against USC. I think USC got. Damage beyond relief, uh, belief uh, against Notre Dame last week. Well, the Trojans, they were horrendous on both sides of the ball versus Notre Dame. But I, I think they're going to be better. They're, they're much different, better at home. Utah's offense is ranked 111th in the nation. So that'll make up for USC's deficiencies on, on that side of the you would ball. Think. USC by no means is a perfect team, but I think uh, their defensive struggles won't be as prevalent here. I like the Trojans by double digits at home. And Dave, who did you pick? I took Utah on the upset. Utah. And yeah. what was the what was the spread? Seven. Seven? Okay. It's at USC, right? And and the, and the game I meant to say, I said Notre Dame and and uh and Duke. It's actually Florida State or Florida State versus number sixteen Duke. But anyway, oh. we're not talking about that. <laughs> yeah, so we've been talking about USC for the last couple of weeks and they've really struggled during the that time that we've talked about them of against ASU against U of A against Notre Dame now they've been giving up a lot of a lot of points and this has been their problem all year their defense is just not great and that's just what it is we have to just understand that they are going to give up a lot of points but their offense will hopefully make up for that and I after seeing last week's game I don't know if I can say comfortably like yeah you have the best quarterback in the nation but do he have, lost the Heisman last week. Yeah, it's he done. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't care what he does the rest of the year. Yep, it's done. Yeah. So you're supposedly the number one quarterback, but you're supposed to have these weapons too that you can go to at any time, and it should be fine. And uh, I just, I just think USC is going downhill trajectory. Don't be surprised if they lose this game and get kicked out of the top twenty-five. Wow. So you like Utah? Mm-hmm. Okay, Utah in the seven. So the Utah defense, if I remember correctly beat USC twice last year. They okay. did. They beat USC twice last year. Caleb Williams is still, if he's not the best player in the country, he's one of the top two or three best players in the country. This is one of those weeks that when you're that guy, you have to rebound and you have to carry your team. I don't believe that he loses to Utah a third time in a row. Could happen. I don't believe that it happens on Saturday. I think USC comes out, they impose their will on this Utah team. They win Seven seems like a lot, you know, more more than a touchdown. But I'm going to go ahead and lay the seven and take USC at home in this game against Utah. And again, I go back to last year. But those those victories were a little bit of a surprise. Maybe they shouldn't have been. Utah was pretty good. I just don't think it happens a third time in a row. Yeah, you know, that's a typical L.A. pick. <laughs> you mean an L.A. person picking an L.A. team? Mm-hmm. Homer. 
Call me a homer last couple of weeks. My goodness. Oh, Dave, stop. <laughs> yeah, I almost I almost want to replay your rant in your face about being a homer, but I but but I don't want to call but, me a but, homer. But, but, but yeah, call me a homer, but I really don't want to hear it again. So. Here's the thing. I mean, if the Diamondbacks lose this series, I we're we're playing with house money at this point. So our our future is really, really good. So. All right, no more talking about the Diamondbacks. We gotta Swept move the Dodgers. on. Wait, 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 way to work that into a football segment, huh? <laughs> yeah, gotta, let's gotta move love on. It. All right, it's time for stump the unk. And Dave, since you were all Almost the last person talking. We're going to start with you today. All right, Bunk. I've got. Uh, I got. A, I got a good fact. If he gets it wrong, it's still like, oh, that was a good question. One of those kind of things. All right, Flagstaff Bill. Uh, what is the only city to win three major sports championships in the same year? I'll give you. The, I'll give you the choice: Dallas, San Francisco, New York, or Detroit. So the three major football, basketball, and baseball. Uh, win no. I said win three majors. The, the th- th- four majors are basketball, football, baseball, and hockey. Those are the four majors. So three. They've won. The only city to win three major sports championships in the same year. And the the could be hockey too. The uh, multiple choice again. No. Uh, Dallas, San Francisco, New York, or Detroit. I'm. Gosh, Detroit doesn't win very many championships. <laughs> it's been a long time. Uh, I'm going to go with the Lions. I, I, I think, or excuse me, the Detroit. Yeah, but it was a long time ago, I would imagine. Yes, you're also correct. It is Detroit. In 1935, the Detroit Lions won the NFL title. <laughs> the Tigers won the World Series, and the Red Wings won the Stanley Cup. Uh-huh. And the Red Wings have won many Stanley Cups, so that you know, if you knew hockey, that might give, give you a little bit of help there, but it's okay. Imagine picking yeah. Detroit and being right. That's crazy. That is a very oh. good question. That was <laughs> a, championship, uh, a championship question. They didn't, they didn't seem like they belonged on the list, so that had to be the right <laughs> answer. That was a really good guess. <laughs> that was a really good guess. That was. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. Crazy. So who, is the, who are the two players in NBA history to be drafted in the second round, second round and win an MVP? Why, Casey? Why? <laughs> Why? It's obscure. He's double downing on his Olympic thing again. I, going forward, we need um, NFL <laughs> questions on the draft. But uh, I I, actually, I saw your your question earlier, and I looked at the MVP list year by year, and I couldn't figure it out. So I, I don't even have an answer for that today. Deserve the sad trombone on that. I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, he deserved. Okay, so Willis Reed in '69 and '70 for the New York Knicks, and Jokic was drafted. In the I, I did not know oh, that Jokic was a second-round yeah. draft pick. That's Taco Bell commercial was rolling when he got drafted. He yeah. didn't even get it onto the stage or anything. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yeah, you fell in some pretty good company with Willis Reed, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Willis Reed for sure. All right, um, Bill. Mine is an easy one. Okay, I say that every week, right? All right, but this week it's true. Which player has won the most NFL MVP awards? Now, that's the question. But if you can get how many, bonus, okay? So which player has won the most NFL MVP awards and how many? Gosh, there's a long laundry list of guys that I think have won three, maybe four. You know, Brady, Montana, Manning, um, yeah, that's a great question. I should know this. I, I'm going to go with Tom Brady. Nope. It is Peyton Manning. How many? You want to take a shot at it? Let me see. He played how many years? Like 12, 13, somewhere in there? Probably. I want to say six. Not six. Cinco. Four. Five. Four. 2003 and 2004. 
then 2008 and 2009. So twice he did it back to back. And then five years later, he wins again in 2013. Five. As a Denver Bronco. Five. Five. Yep. Peyton Manning, five times. Five NFL times. record, 55 touchdown passes in one season. And that, that might be held for a while. Yeah. So when, when you talk about, you know, and, and you know, whatever you come up with these greatest ever list, you know, they're sometimes they're generational. Case and I were having a great conversation at our desk the other day about a different sport. But when you, when you think about like your all time greats, you know, the quarterback position in the NFL and, you know, you have Tom Brady, you have your, your Joe Montana's where, where does Peyton Manning fall on that list? And I know that wasn't one of our topics today, but I am curious, like for you guys, where That's does a he fall question. on that list? I does think it, does he do it like a, a Mount Rushmore of NFL quarterbacks? Yeah. Does he fit? Does he, does he part of the four? Yeah, well, right? okay. If you're gonna have if if let let's if you're gonna pick four, okay, four. You know what? Let, let's, let's 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 let that simmer, and maybe we can we can answer that next week. I I, I love that because I, I, I do want to. Where, where where does he fall? We'll we'll talk about that next okay. week. All right. Teaser. Let, yeah, te- little teaser, little, little taste, little, little teaser. You guys think about this. Email your answers with, with Peyton Manning, his social media and his announcing capabilities and how funny he is. I saw that video for the I think it's United Way and he's playing flag football yeah. with little kids, drilling good. the yeah. kids in the head with yeah. the Nerf football. <laughs> that was the best I, ever. It was 10, 15 years ago, and I still laughed. Yeah. It's still yeah. funny. Yeah. Sarah, yeah. he puts a kid in the the porta potty. Stay yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. He, he's got he's got the perfect delivery. You could tell he doesn't take himself too serious. And even the commercials with uh, with uh, what's his name, the country singer, is is, is outstanding yeah, too. Yeah. The nationwide commercials. The guy who's pretty funny, who you wouldn't imagine, is little brother Eli. He's actually pretty funny too. I, I can't watch Monday Night Football uh, straight. I have to watch their their <laughs> version of it. It's the best. It flat out is. I don't have time. To, I, I'm not paying that close of attention. No, okay, right. so. Especially if it's a game I don't really care about, I'm watching the, the Manning cast. All right. Speaking of the NFL, got a few games to look at. Now, let's, and can, we're going to save the marquee game for last, if you guys don't mind. Sure. Let's start with the Detroit Lions at the Baltimore Ravens. And Bill, I'm going to start with you. Well, Detroit, the, the, they're the kind of the it team this year. They've won 13 of their last 16 games. They're tied for the best record in the league. The Ravens have only scored one offensive touchdown each of their last two games. Um, if the Lions win, they go to 6-1 six, one, six and one for the first time since 1956, two years before I was born. I like the Lions. I like their head coach, Dan Campbell, and I like their chances here. I'm all over the Lions at plus three this week. Oh boy! You know the Lions what? are plus three. Plus three. That means the Ravens are. It's basically a pick'em game because you, know, you get the three points at home. So it's a, it's a straight up pick'em. You know what? I, if you were to tell me this is one of our games to pick at the beginning of the year, I would say this is a week, 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 week. Yeah, week, week. Um, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Um, but Detroit's playing great. I mean, I, that, that's a really good football team. The Ravens at home, uh, you know, their defense steps up a little bit. I, I, I like that stat about their offense, too, by the way, Bill. And, uh, you know, I was thinking of going to Ravens until you brought that up to me. Um, as much as I, I, I cringe on wanting to take Detroit on the road, especially in a tough environment like that, they're good. I, I, I think I'll take the Lions and, and uh, with the plus three uh, against the Ravens. Detroit has scored the second most amount of points in the NFC. I mean, nobody would know that. I mean, I just looked at the... At the log. That former Rams quarterback's not bad, huh? Yeah, I was just going to say, Jared Goff. 
We remember when you said if you would have bet this much money, you're making fun of my Jared Goff MVP, and it's <laughs> I know it's still looking pretty shot. good. It's a long shot. It's but. still a long know. shot, but he's having an he's having an amazing year. Yeah. And the I mean, when you first found out, like, oh, you were trading Jared Goff, or the Detroit Lions were getting Jared Goff for Matthew Stafford, you were like, oh, well. Obviously, the Rams won this trade. Now we're looking down the line. Like, yeah, obviously the Rams won a Super Bowl. Like, I'm not getting, like giving not giving them credit for that. But in the long run, Jared Goff looked great, and they he hasn't made that franchise step back in the direction which they were going. And they're five and one. If you would have told me there would be five and one, I would have been like, yeah. I mean, I maybe like three and two, not or three and three, but five and one to start off the season, best record in the NFL. I mean, I, I like the Lions in this one, too. I, I mean, plus three, I, you got to take the Lions, right? Is that one of those those lines, and, and Bill, and, and Dave, I know you, you like to wager, too. Is that one of those that you look at, you know, towards the end of the week, and it kind of just like it's like a blinking light at you, like the Detroit Lions are one of the two or three best teams in the league, and they're getting points. I know that Baltimore's a tough place to play, but anytime they're getting points, and it's not against the 49ers or someone wouldn't you kind of lean that direction anyway? No, the the Ravens are a great organization, but dome teams somewhat struggle when they're outside in the the elements, and that is a factor. But I I think the Lions had an unbelievable draft last year. Defensively, a couple good trades. They're loaded. and This is going to help decide if they are one of the elite teams in in the league this year. So you guys all took Detroit. Yeah, and you I'm going to take Baltimore. Yeah, I, yeah. I if don't they blame score me. any points, yeah, sure. Yeah, you, you're you're talking about the betting and everything. My betting, I kind of stay away from lines and that kind of thing. I, I go for more. I take a fantasy football approach to it. Like I'll go and with well, on DraftKings is the one I use. Of course, everyone has these, but I'll go set like alternative yards that gives me better odds. Like. Um, you know, like say, uh, Bijan Robinson is going to go for 70 plus yards or something like that. If that's an option I can pull down and, and do, I'll do that. I like putting parlays together like that. That's the fun for me. So I go a different route. Okay. Atlanta three and three. How did we arrive at this game? Oh, I know because the chargers lost on Monday night. And so we defaulted to this game. Atlanta three and three is at Tampa Bay three and two. And this is a division game. And we just saw, the Saints lose last night to Jacksonville on a heartbreaker. The tight end just dropped that it straight in the terrible. end zone. Yeah, so felt bad for the kid. Yeah, felt bad for him. He's, he, I think he was diagnosed with something too. Yeah, he's a cancer survivor. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, everybody's heavy hearts for him right now. And at the time, yeah, I mean, I'm a Saints fan. I was pissed off. I was like, what? How do you miss that? It's a basket catch. You have to catch that. But I mean, it's okay. It's one game. Jacksonville's a good team, and we. We had a good game against them, but this is a division matchup. And now that the Saints are two and four, this is a three and three and three and two Bucks team, right? Bucks are three and two. They had a Bucks bye week. Bucks are three and two. Correct. Yeah, they had a bye week. So this is really playoff implications to who wins this division. Who would have thought that the Atlanta Falcons were going to be three and three up to this point? I didn't really think they would be. I thought they would have one or two wins, but they're looking okay. Bijan's been awesome. Um, but the Bucks have also been really good, considering Baker Mayfield's been taking over. They still have an elite receiving core with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. I, I think the Bucks take this one. I don't even need to know the spread. I'm taking it. Uh, the, the Bucks are favored um, by two and a half. And oh, yeah. Both teams Bucks. are coming off home losses. Um, the Falcons are one and five against the spread this year. 
The Bucks are allowing just three yards per rush. Desmond Ritter, the, car, the Falcons quarterback, struggles a bit on the road. He's kind of inconsistent. I like the Bucks here, minus two and a half. Mm, I thought about this a little bit. I still don't believe the Bucks are anything legit. Um, and the Falcons are? Well, <laughs> they lost at home. They're getting on the road. Now, and the Bucks lost at home last week. They're at home. Give me the Falcons. I, I just, I'm, I'm just not a believer in the Buccaneers. Where did that logic come from? It's, it's a gut feeling, is what it is. All right, I Fair got enough. no logic whatsoever. It's going you don't need it, I guess. But everyone else is taking the Bucks, so I'll take the Falcons. <laughs> I'm taking Atlanta as well. Ah, okay. I, I do, I do not believe in the Bucks at all. And uh, yeah, I'm going to take Atlanta on the road. All right, game of the week, Sunday night, Miami five and one at Philadelphia five and one. This, I hope turns out to be as good a football game as it looks like it should be on paper. I, you know, the last time Miami ran into a defense that was motivated, they lost and lost pretty handily. This is a, this is an Eagles team that is, you know, coming off the Super Bowl. It still has a good defense, even though their defensive coordinator is now the head coach of the Cardinals. They still have the systems in there. They have the players. I don't think, I don't think the Dolphins have a prayer this game. I'm taking the Eagles Strong eagle pick here. What's the spread? Uh, the Eagles are minus two point five. Two I, and a half. That's too low. I, I, you know what? When I do, I would set an alternate spread in, uh, favoring the Eagles here and, and make some money on that. I'd probably go like a five or six. Bill, okay. I, I, I think this obviously this is the this week's big game of the day. Miami has the number one passing attack in the league. Philly has the number twenty ranked pass defense. That doesn't sit well. Jalen Hurts is not playing like he did last year. Um, the best way to stymie Miami's aerial attack is to keep the offense off the field. I believe the Eagles are going to pound the ball. They're going to run it. They're going to try to control the, the time of possession. I like Philly minus two and a half at home here. Yeah, good take there, Bill. Yeah, and I, I have to agree with it only because – but the thing here is Philly has not been scoring any points unless it's the brotherly shove. They haven't been able to throw for any touchdowns to get one or two a game, but they haven't been throwing for that many touchdowns. They said Jalen Hurts is trying to be perfect. Last year, it was kind of just improvising and running around and doing things. He's not running much out of the pocket, but um, they need they need to loosen the reins on him and let him do what he did last year. Yeah, exactly. And I just think, yeah, he had more free-flowing football last year, and they're trying to be more strict to make him a more complete quarterback. He was fine last year, and I think if he went back to his old ways they would throw for more touchdowns and they have the core to do it too it's not like they don't have a good wide receiving core they have one of the best in the whole entire league and they just don't do it um going over to Miami yeah I mean they could score a lot of points but I don't think the Eagles defense will let up the 400 yards that the Miami Dolphins are used to getting so I'm taking the Eagles all right and this one it obviously it's a tough it's a tough one to pick if Philadelphia plays the way that we know that they're capable of they win this game at home. We've talked each week, you know, that something just seemed a little off with them, and yet they're five and one. And I've picked them most weeks, expecting them to play like the Philadelphia that we saw last year. I still think that's coming. But early on, I said, watch this Miami team. And if you know Tua Tagovailoa was healthy, they can beat anyone. And the way that they score points. I like what's happening in Miami. I, I really do. I think something special is developing there. We've been talking about Detroit and how they're kind of coming into their own, and every week they show us more and more of what they can do. 
And yet we don't talk that way about Miami. And here they are five and one with some good wins and some good wins on the road. I like Miami here in Philadelphia. Real quick, I just one final thing about that. The running back, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name for Miami. Devon A Chain. A Chain. A Chain. Most top running backs in the NFL average five yards a carry. He's averaging 12 yards a carry. <laughs> Too bad he's injured. How right? He's out for four weeks, but yeah. what, that is just stupid. 12 yards a carry? Like how many carries is he getting? No, he was running for like 12 carries for 120 yards. Wow. Yeah. With but he's like not two playing this week. But he's not playing and, this and week. That didn't come against the Eagles. No, it's not. 11 carries for 151 yards, 8 carries for 101, Yeah. 18 yeah. for 203. That's his three games he's ever played in his career. You know, that tells me that the, the offensive line for Miami is good too, though. He's, he's pretty quick. He's, I, he's, mm. They say he's faster than Tyreek. Yeah. I love seriously. I love this Dolphins team. It's fun. You know, they're they're well coached. They're fun to watch. You took Miami as well, didn't you? No, I took the Eagles. I, I, I'm not buying. I like. I, I'm with you on that, Jeff. I like the Dolphins too. I just don't like them in this game at all. This is a bad matchup for them. Well, it's a good thing we clarified that because I marked you over on the Miami side. What, what, what do we, we do? Do we, have, back. <laughs> yeah, do we have the numbers from last week um, or records or football records? No, no, I, I don't. Jeff must have lost, so we I've, just erased it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, for whatever reason, that didn't make it into the studio. <laughs> today. All right, it's time for what is weekly my favorite segment. It's sports through the ages. This time, the youngster gets the call. Casey, dazzle us with your sports through the ages for this. Okay. Week. This week's Sports Through the Ages is on the biggest NBA draft bus over the last 25 years. Since I am a young guy, I'm only going to go over the ones that I remember. The first one that I want to talk about is Kwame Brown. Kwame Brown was a center right out of high school. At the time, he was the unanimous first overall pick and the Washington Wizards picked him. The funny thing about this situation is that Michael Jordan was the GM but also came out of retirement to play during that season. Jordan was the one that picked Brown, but it was his pick that did not end up working out. Kwame was bullied by Jordan and Brown did not do well with that criticism. He ended up getting traded around and had one of the most disappointing careers for a number one overall pick during that time. For his career, he would play 13 years and average only 6.6 points and 5.5 rebounds per game. What players could the Wizards have drafted instead of Brown? Well, Tyson Chandler was the second overall pick, Paul Gasol was taken with the third pick, Joe Johnson was the 10th pick, Tony Parker was the 28th pick, and Gilbert Arenas was the 31st pick. All these players definitely had better careers than Kwame Brown. The second player I'm going to talk about is Greg Oden. Greg Oden was part of the 2007 draft class and was picked first overall by the Portland Trailblazers. In my opinion, I do not consider Oden a bust. But for the sake of this list, he has to go down as one of the biggest what-ifs in NBA history. Oden was out of Ohio State and was the number one overall pick, and GM said he was a can't-miss prospect. Odin had multiple injuries that derailed his career, and he never lived up to the hype. In his career, he would only play a total of 105 games and average 8 points and 6 rebounds. But what players could have the Trailblazers picked instead of Odin? Well, with the second overall pick, the OKC Thunder took a guy named Kevin Durant. Maybe you've heard of him. I think that he's pretty good. Al Horford was the third pick, and Odin's teammate Mike Connolly was the fourth overall pick. The last player I'm going to go over, in my opinion, is the biggest bust in NBA history, Anthony Bennett. He was picked with the first overall pick in the 2013 NBA draft. 
This NBA draft was seen as a weak draft class and still holds true to this day. Anthony Bennett should not have been taken with the first overall pick. While he was good at UNLV, it did not warrant a first overall pick selection. Just listen to the audio when Bennett was picked. With the first pick in the 2013 NBA draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers select Anthony Bennett Whoa! of Toronto, Canada, and the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Bennett would not even last four years and only averaged 4.4 points in his NBA career, but he was part of the Kevin Love trade that sent Love to the Cavs when LeBron James made his return to Cleveland. Who would have the Cavs picked instead of Bennett? Well, with the second pick, Victor Oladipo, all-star, was selected. CJ McCollum, who's become one of the best shooting guards in the league, was picked at 10. Rudy Gobert was the 27th pick, multiple Defensive Player of the Year winner. But the biggest pick that slipped away was Giannis Antetokounmpo with the 15th pick. Yes, Giannis was a project, but still, he's won multiple MVPs. With all these considered draft busts, there had to be something that considered them to be the first overall pick in their draft class. But things could have been a lot different for the teams that did not make those draft decisions. But we'll never know what would have happened and can only speculate. All right, nice job. And and here here's the funny thing about this list. Casey and I, we talked about it. And I was like, Anthony Bennett, no, no. And I, and I, I argued with him. And then I, I looked at the draft class. I looked at the fact that he, should, he shouldn't have been a top five pick, let alone maybe a number not even one top pick. Ten. Maybe not even top 10. And as I went through the list, you know, Greg Oden injured. Sam Bowie, you know, listen, Sam Bowie was injured. And really the big deal about him is that, you know, he got picked before Michael Jordan and Kim Olajuwon. <laughs> Good job, okay. Portland. Yeah, yeah, great, great job, Portland. Poor Portland. But, but <laughs> this Anthony Bennett, I, Casey, you, you, you changed my mind. That was the biggest bust of all time because at least the other guys could play. Anthony Bennett could not. I'm not even sure he ever should have been in the NBA. Yeah, it's, it's a very bad situation. And the funny thing is, we talk about Kwame Brown. At least he lasted 13 years in the NBA. You know, like Greg Oden, yeah, he only played 105 games. But, I mean, it's a big what if. Like, what if he was healthy? He was hurt, yeah. And, yeah. But Anthony Bennett, considering he was the first overall pick, the Cavaliers who were just got LeBron back, who's, well, they didn't get LeBron back, but he was going to come back. And they used him and Andrew Wiggins to trade for Kevin Love. And, I mean, it worked out for the Cavs at the end because they still had that draft capital. He's saying, oh, he was the first overall pick, but he was a nobody. He was a scrub. Super a funny. Great story. Very interesting. I, I, I can take it one step further with the NFL. And huge bust. For another day, Tony Mandarich getting drafted with the third or fourth pick. Oh, and I yeah. met him right, right before that. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Ryan leaf, Ryan leaf. Ryan leaf. Oh, I mean, if we do the NFL, I yeah. mean, there's plenty. Yeah, you bet. All right. It's time to bring things back. Local Dave Zorn. You are our, our local guru. What's happening sports around the mountain with Dave Zorn. Well, the NU football team, they're off this week. Uh, they had a bad game and bad loss to Portland state uh, the week before. They're trying to uh, assemble, the, you know, trying to get back on the track here. Uh, they're off this week. They'll have uh, UC Davis, the Aggies at home, uh, in the Sky Dome next week for homecoming. Uh, that'll be uh, interesting to see how the Eagle Number Jacks recover from that. Any hoops, uh, men's preseason, uh, the Big Sky preseason polls came out this week. The men's hoops team ranked eighth in the media and coaches in the Big Sky poll. I thought they'd be higher because after they finished runner-up in the tournament last year, but okay. 
The women picked by the media to win the Big Sky, second by the coaches. By the way, our vote for the NU women's basketball basketball team put them into first place. We won by one vote, and we picked them number one. So we're taking full credit for that. Um, going to the high school, by the way, they opened up their, their season in November. Um, the uh, Lumberjet, the men's team opens up at home against Sagu Indian Bible College. It's probably an exhibition game, even though it's not listed. Uh, but the women open up at Oregon to start their season. Uh, for high school football, Coconino uh, is at Mingus this week. They have to win out to make the 4A state playoffs. Flagstaff comes back off a of bye week. They're hosting division leader Lee Williams. Next week, Coconino is home against Prescott. Flagstaff is at Bradshaw Mountain. Another big shout-out to, uh, we've done it a few times this year, to Flagstaff's girls' flag football team. For you uh, uh, people outside of the state of Arizona, this is an inaugural year for flag football for the girls in the state of Arizona. Uh, there's only two divisions, 6A and 5A conferences. The Flagstaff Eagles team finished 10-2 and overall and won the 5A Northwest Region Championship for their inaugural season. Uh, they ranked number five in the state in 5A. They'll host at least a first-round game next Tuesday if the rankings hold. We'll find out uh, on Saturday, which would be tomorrow depending on this airs, um, when the brackets come out. And, of course, we'll update everybody on that, too. So they'll have a home game next week against somebody, that's for sure. Um, that's it. That's our Around the Mountain for this week. My granddaughter, she'll be in ninth grade next year, and she's going to play flag football. She's it's, a stud awesome. softball player and volleyball. She goes, no, I want to play football. <laughs> they got a great team. It's fun. It's, it's a big it, it thing. really is a fun, fun game to watch. All right, great job. Great job. Lots of stuff to, uh, to pay attention to this week. All right, guys, we are... Uh, down to our final segment. It is time for crunch time. A minute to rant on whatever it is that's on your mind. Casey, how about I start with your rant this week? I don't even have a rant. I'm just excited for the NBA to be back. The NBA is starting next week, and it seems like all the sports are starting to come out, which is really cool. Football is going to be over here. NHL, I mean, it's now coming. Basketball, soccer, all the sports, playoff baseball, all the sports are going on right now. I'm just really excited for all the sports to be here. Something to watch every night. Yep. Bill? I'm going to do my uh, crunch time today on baseball and how it's changed dramatically over the years and and the records. Uh, A lot of the all-time records, they're never going to be broken. I want to give you a couple examples. Joe DiMaggio, in 13 years in the league, struck out 369 times. He hit 370 home runs in his career. That's unbelievable. In today's market, that's 370 strikeouts is maybe two years for some of the top sluggers. It's He was so far advanced. He was just a tremendous player. Cy Young had 511 career wins. Pitchers rarely pitch more than five innings anymore, or the, their arms are going to fall off. So that's going to be said. The only two semi-current people on the top 10 list, Greg Maddox at number eight and Roger Clemens at number nine. Pete Rose had 4,256 hits. In today's game, there's not much focus on singles and doubles. Everyone's trying to swing for the fence. That record's never going to be broken. Nolan Ryan had 5,714 strikeouts in his career. The only two pitchers, kind of um, unusual, that are on the list at 11 and 12 near the top are Scherzer and Verlander. And they're both 39 and 40, so they're, they're just about done. Ty Cobb batted 366 for his career. The only semi-current guy who played anywhere near that was Tony Gwynn, and he finished his career in 2001 and had a career 338 batting average. Baseball, more than any other sport, is a game of numbers. Unfortunately, most, uh, if not all, the records, they're going to stand for all time, and that's okay, too. If you're ever bored and need something to do, check out MLB's all-time records. Uh, They're just super statistical information. See how the current stars match up against the old-timers. 
Good job. You see him heads love that. That's for sure. All right, my, I had to sit and think about this for a little bit, and that just kind of popped in my head. So there's a growing move for pro sports teams to leave cable and go back to over-the-air television. Now, Casey, that's when we had to have these rabbit ears. You had to point in the right direction. Sometimes you had to get a little brother to hold it just right so you can watch the games so the, the signal can come in. That's what over-the-air means. Just, oh, just that's you, what that means. Yeah, you, you've grown up in cable, so that's what that is. But, for uh, example, the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury agreed to a TV deal with AZ Family to carry games this season. AZ Family even launched a sports channel, which can be seen for free here in Flagstaff. The Arizona Coyotes did something similar, inking a deal with Scripps Howard for games to be carried on Channel 15.2, which is a channel that can also be seen here in Flagstaff. For the first time in my life, I had to go out and buy an antenna so I could watch games. I went to Walmart, got a good one for 20 bucks. It's a square and picks up like 40 channels. It's, the, it was, it's the kind of the coolest thing. So, And the Diamondbacks will be next. They're without a TV deal, so they'll be the next one to probably go over there. I checked with the LA Times. They did a write-up about a week or so ago, and others are doing this too. The Vegas Golden Knights, who's the defending Stanley Cup champions, just went over the air this year. The Utah Jazz are doing the same. The LA Kings are doing it in Los Angeles. This all stems from the fallout from Bally Sports, who went under this year. Now, is this just a phase, or will we see other markets follow suit and return to over-the-air TV broadcasts like a lot of us had as kids? We'll see. To be, to be continued. All right. Very good. All right, I, my, my rant, and, and honestly, this isn't a big one because I don't watch it this way, so it doesn't really matter to me. But the Thursday night primetime game on Prime is a lot of fun. I look forward to that first game of the week on Thursday night. But when I tune it on, when I turn it on, I've got three options for viewing. I can view the main telecast. And then I can view one that looks like a video game, okay? Oh, I don't they know. did that, huh? I, yeah, I don't know if you've ever tuned into this. I don't even say what it, I, I would tell you what it's called, but I really don't know because I care that little about it. Bill, I tuned in for like 90 seconds one day. And during the play, they got circles and lines and tells you where the routes are going. And it's all happening live, real time during the play. Guys, it's... Too much. If I if I want to play Madden, I'll turn on my PS5. Get when I turn on. on the football game, it's not what I want from my game. Listen, it might be cool. It's kind of a, one of those little gadget things that's maybe okay for a play or two, and then your eyes start to bug out of your head. It's like watching Transformers over and over and over again. And for most of us old guys, there's just too much going on on screen. We can't do it. Please. Stop. Stop. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, Grandpa. Let me let me bring you back down to earth for a second. That's brilliant marketing by the NFL. And you know why? Because you're getting kids that are, are are playing the video games interested in live action football and watching the NFL. It's a brilliant marketing campaign, I think. I like the fact that there was a game a couple weeks ago. They did it, they did a Toy Story animation. That there was live action. I thought it was, That's that was stupid awesome. too. Just stop. <laughs> but I get it. You're trying to bring in the younger crowd. Casey, no, have you have you watched that? Yeah, that, obviously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Casey's like, yeah, I think it's really cool. I'm, I'm going to check it out now. Well, for somebody like me who doesn't like, I know what 
plays are in football, but I don't necessarily know what each route and stuff. It, it makes sense for me trying to learn the game and especially for people t- younger than me trying to learn the game to try to figure it out. Like you even see on defenses, it shows like the covers and like cover two or zero or whatever. You can see that. So it's a lot easier to follow those kind of things. A young person said to me this last week when I was commenting on this, they said, they believe that every NFL coach should play Madden so they could learn clock oh, management. Well, I'm like, okay. just that's a bit stop. Okay. But, at the, but at the end of the day, Jeff, just watch the game on your regular channel. I and don't do. complain. Well, the, the whole concept of the Thursday night game being on Amazon Prime is upsetting to me because if I want to flip to the college game or right now during the baseball game, you have to get out of the streaming and go back to regular TV. The NFL doesn't care. Everything should be on one format. You know what you do? Get you an antenna, and then all you got to do, if you got a smart TV, go to the antenna boy, and you're right there. I had antennas when I was, I, I was the antenna boy. Dan, Billy, get over there and fix the antenna. They've got an HD now. It actually comes in HD signal. It's, it's, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, hey, I was the youngest of four kids. I was the one standing there with the antenna. You turn the channel. Billy, go turn the channel. Exactly. All right, guys, great job today. A lot, a lot of fun. Uh, enjoy the rest of the baseball weekend. Enjoy your college football Saturday and, of course, pro football. We'll come back and do this next week. That's going to do it for us this week. For Casey Everett, Dave Zorn, Bill Unkovich, I'm Jeff Kennedy. Listen, thanks for listening. As always, remember, national security is not at stake. Right, guys? No. No. Not here. We are not trying to solve the world's problems, right? No. I hope not. We're just talking sports. That's all it is. Now, what are you going to do? Good morning. Morning. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. So this is Vince Scully wishing you a very pleasant good afternoon wherever you may be.